This is the Impact Church Podcast. Here at Impact, we believe a powerful word at the right time can help you overcome any challenges you are facing. Wherever you are listening or whatever you're going through, we pray this message speaks exactly to your need. Enjoy. Amen. Praise God. Y'all enjoying service this morning? I feel good. It's good to be in this kind of atmosphere. It really is. It really is. And we've heard a lot of good, a lot of good news this morning. A lot of good things that God is doing in our house, that He's doing in our community. A lot of good stuff, right? You know, but sometimes you, you, you're walking along your journey, and you got to also deal with sometimes the bad stuff that comes along, which reminds me of a story. So a doctor called his patient and said, um, I got good news and bad news. Which do you want me to tell you first? What would y'all want to hear first? Oh, y'all are pessimistic. <laughs> I would went to bad news first, too. And he said, he said, well, doc, tell me the good news. He said, the good news is you have 48 hours to live. He said, then what can possibly be worse than having 48 hours to live? He said, I was supposed to call you yesterday. I forgot. So what I want to do this morning, I got some good news and bad news, but I, I feel like if I tell you the bad news first, you can really appreciate how good the good news really is. You ready to go with me this morning? All right, I'm going to be brief this morning, so y'all pray with me. All right, Nehemiah 6 verse 10 says this, one day I went to the house of Shemaiah, and who was shut in at his home. It was COVID, so he stayed in. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. This is what he's telling Nehemiah. By night, they're coming to kill you. He said, but I said, hmm, should a man like me run away? Ooh, that's bad right there. He said, or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambal had hired him. Ooh, this is some good espionage stuff. <laughs> he, had been, he had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this. And then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. And this is his prayer. You know, they didn't play in the Old Testament. When they prayed, they would pray stuff. Remember Tobiah and Sambal God. Because of what they have done. Remember also the prophet Nobadiah and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate us. And then he goes on in verse 15 and says, And after all this we've been talking about, all these, this whole comeback series, so the wall was completed in 52 days. So let's jump in real quick because we've, we've basically closed out the series. This is kind of like an exclamation mark this morning. Um, but let me just remind you of where we were just a bit last week. So last week, we were at day 28 as far as when he got the people together and they started rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. And as they rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem, they get, they get the wall built up to half its height around the city, right? So the goal was repair all these walls that have been broken down 
And so get it up to the complete height, but they got it built up to half the height, but it was around the whole city. And after all that they had gone through, the people said to Nehemiah, you know what? We can't rebuild the wall. They, they concluded, we can't do it. Now, they had already got half the job done. They had already had most of the resources they need. And we found out last week that the reasons why they were saying that they couldn't get the wall completed, um, they were saying external reasons about all the rubbish that was around, about all the threats that were coming from the outside, about uh, the people feeling tired. But when we really dug a little deeper last week, we found out that it wasn't so much the reason why they concluded they could not have a comeback was not so much because of all that was happening around them as much as what was happening inside of them. And so what we said last week is that sometimes uh, a mindset will set us back. And so having had everything at this point thrown at them, including the kitchen sink, and, had already, and they had already withstood all that, they still yet concluded, not because of really what was happening out there, but what was happening inside here. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Sometimes our own self-sabotage could set us back. They conclude they couldn't do it. So we ended last week when he finally, Nehemiah repositioned the people and, and gave them a reason to fight and say, fight for your families. All of a sudden, all those external things didn't matter anymore. They connected with their wives. So we talked about all that. So now we're moving to this week, and you can see at the end of the text that we're at the end where they have rebuilt the wall. And the interesting thing is that we see here is that if you review where we've been, Nehemiah and Israel have been attacked on every side. And some of y'all know what I'm talking about because you've been attacked on every side. They were attacked physically because they couldn't get any more stones to rebuild the walls. and I mean, financially, because they couldn't get any more stones or resources to rebuild the walls. So they were attacked that way. They were attacked mentally. Uh, all the enemies began to conspire against them and hurl threats at them and attack them with confusion. They were attacked emotionally by the threats that were sent against them. They were attacked socially because... You know, it's one thing to have an enemy. It's another thing to have another enemy. It's a really bad thing when your enemies become friends. All the enemies became friends to conspire against them. So they were attacked emotionally. They were attacked physically. They were attacked socially. They were attacked economically. They were attacked in all these different ways. And now all of a sudden we find out when the enemy can't get to you through your mind, when he can't get to you through your finances, when he can't get to you through the culture or the social systems, when he can't get to you emotionally, he will certainly try to attack you spiritually. And so we, we see Nehemiah an amazing spiritual attack. And the goal of the whole attack in every one of those attacks was to stop the work that God was doing in them and through them. And, and see, what I recognize is that many of us have gone through, when I see the prayer request, when I'm on the prayer line, when I look at my own life, many of us have been attacked by the enemy. I mean, repeated. Just con it looked like every time you get up from one attack, you get attacked with another one. Every time you take one hit, it looked like you're taking another hit. You get on your feet, it looks like it's another setback. But can I tell you that, that it, could it be, and a lot, let me say this, sometimes when we get attacked like that, we can take on this mindset, this mentality that God is not for me, God has forgotten about me, God didn't come or won't come through for me, 
me that I don't have any hope because this keeps happening over and over and over again. But could it be that maybe that it's not that God isn't with you, but that God is with you so distinctively, I heard somebody say this, God is with you so distinctively that the enemy is intimidated by you. So his goal in your life is to try to intimidate you and talk you out of everything that God has ordained before the foundations of the world for you to walk in, to possess, and to be. Don't let him fool you because of all these attacks. There must be a reason why he, see, he feels so intimidated. He's got to keep coming to your house. He's got to keep coming to your relationships. He's got to keep attacking your body. Maybe he senses the hand of God is on your life. And so they come together, and what we find out is that Shemaiah is, is he's working He's working for Tobias and Sanballat. Now, you don't know that originally, and Nehemiah doesn't know that originally. He goes to, uh, to his house. He goes to his house, and he, and he's, he recognizes. He says, uh, Shemaiah says to him, he says, hmm. Now, y'all state me if you've been in church for a minute. Hmm. Mm. A spirit is telling me, you need to go to the temple. Sound delay. They don't know what I'm doing. Because <laughs> they come in tonight. They're going to try to kill you tonight, Nehemiah. The Lord showed me. He gave me a vision. I synced it. You got to put the T at the end. Synced. I synced it. They're going to come tonight. And they're going to come and kill you. Meet me tonight at the temple. Because he showed me this so he could protect you. And Nehemiah, because you know when you know the word, you start saying, wait a minute. You know, because how many of y'all know God does not operate outside of his word? So Nehemiah knew the scriptures in the Old Testament. And I want to say it's Numbers and Chronicles. But he knew the scriptures that said, and you guys would know this too, not maybe by scripture, but by principle, that only the priest could enter into the temple. And that if anybody else entered into the temple, they broke the law. Not just any law, because see, I can break a certain, but I can break the speeding law in Gwinnett County and pay the fine. But I'm talking about breaking God's law. So essentially, what he attempts to do to Nehemiah, oh my, Shemaiah attempts to get Nehemiah to break God's law. And Nehemiah says, hold up. You're not going to even use this word. He says, what they tried to do was to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me this morning. So that I would commit a sin, he says, and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Because see, what Nehemiah's purpose was, what I haven't talked about much, Nehemiah's purpose wasn't just to rebuild the physical wall. It was to rebuild the community on the inside of that wall and to bring spiritual reform and moral reform back to Israel. How many of y'all know you got a purpose on your life? And so the devil has, he doesn't know the future. He doesn't know everything. He's not omniscient, but he can sense some things about what's on you. 
He can sense some things about what God wants to do in your life and from where you've been and, and how God might use you. And so he knew Nehemiah's call was to bring Israel back together in a place where they honor God spiritually, where they honor God in their community. And what he did not want is for Nehemiah to finish the work because the fear was if he finished the work, Israel might really rise up and be everything that God called Israel to be. And that's the same thing with you. The enemy does not want the work to be done in your life. He wants you to come off the wall. So if he can't get you financially, if he can't get you emotionally, if he can't get you mentally, if he can't get you socially, he's going to come for you spiritually. And so he offers Nehemiah something. That is offered really, quite frankly, a lot today, and it looks different, but he offers Nehemiah something. He says, hmm. now look, the Lord told me to tell you, be careful of that. The Lord told me to tell you, go inside the temple tonight and lock yourself in there because they won't come inside the temple. And he says, if you do it, essentially, God's going to protect you inside it. So in other words, he's saying, if you break God's law, then God will protect you. Doesn't that sound wrong about that to you? And what he's saying to Nehemiah is, watch this, that you can walk in mm, a spirituality that serves you and be okay. Now, it don't look like that today because that's the law. We are the temple of God, right? This is, this is we are the temple of God. But how it looks today is that if we're not careful, the enemy, and I've seen it, I'm seeing it happen across generations, the enemy will give us a pseudo-spirituality. What I notice a lot going on, and I know you notice it too, how many of y'all have heard people talk about giving, giving thanks to the universe? I said, but the universe didn't save you. And then you see folks moving. This is this is this pseudo spirituality that's that's serving us, and it's like we can have Jesus and the universe. Y'all ain't gonna say nothing. I'm gonna go a little hotter. Jesus and crystals. I told. I said, let me ask you something. Did crystals get on a cross and die for you? The crystals rise on the third day. You don't need Jesus to anchor. See, the enemy will use in 2022, the enemy uses not just, not just something outside, but he'll say, you can have both Jesus and. Jesus and New Age. But can I tell you this morning, the enemy knows that if you approach God and mix stuff together that don't need to be mixed together, that that is a disaster waiting to happen, a setback in your life. And so what he tries to do with Nehemiah, he tries to do with us. He tries to tell us we can have spirituality on our own terms outside of God's word. Y'all praying with me this morning? I told you I have bad news. Nehemiah said, ha, uh -uh, I ain't falling for that one. And so the question is now, why would Sam Ballot, why would Tobias hire this gentleman, Shemiah, hired him? Now, you know you must be, God's hand must really be on your life for me to conspire with somebody I never liked to start with, us get together, hire somebody else to try to fool you, to mess you up. And this is what Sanballat and all of Nehemiah's enemies knew and that your enemy knows too. You ready? This is the bad news. The bad news is that sin can set you back. So we can see setbacks in other areas. We can see if I get sick, I can see how sickness sets me back. I've been there. 
If I have financial distress, I know how financial distress sets me back. I've had it before. We can see if you've been betrayed before, you know how somebody doing you wrong can set you back. But are you aware and just as aware how much sin can set us back? And so let me just give you real quickly, just real quickly, um, and if you want to write this down, you can, but three types of or three sins that set us back. The very first one is ours. Is our sin. And so Nehemiah knows that the reason why Israel, if you follow this series, the reason why Israel is in this situation to start with was because Israel had sinned. So what Nehemiah is saying is, I know what you're offering. You're offering me a shortcut to get out of this trouble that I'm in. But I'm smart enough to know that a shortcut going away from God is a long way. That a shortcut will short-circuit God's will in my life. So Nehemiah is not going to fall for the sin that's being set before him. And I want you to understand one thing about temptation that I tell people all the time. Temptation is, is the simplest definition. You ready? It's just an overrated offer. It doesn't matter what the sin is. It doesn't, doesn't matter. But whatever the temptation is that comes in your life, that comes in my life, it just overrates the payoff and under examines the cost. Am I talking to anybody this morning? And we all know that, that sin in our lives in our lives, that sin has the ability to damage relationships around us, right? It has the ability to, to hurt our loved ones. It has the ability to harm our own bodies. We know that instinctively, but I just want to bring it out this morning, that sin, our own sin, can set us back. But that's not the only sin that we deal with in our lives. It would be enough if all I had to deal with my sin. But I don't just deal with my sin, and you don't just deal with your sin. We deal with the sin of others. So here Nehemiah is. Nehemiah's generation was not the generation to forsake God. It was his ancestors' generation. And here Nehemiah is dealing with the ramifications and all the fallout of Israel, of, his, of, the, of their forefathers and the decisions that they made. Now they got to pick up the pieces. Many of us, we came into this world dealing with somebody mentioned the absence of a father. That's not your sin. That's a sin of, are y'all feeling me this morning? That's not what you did, but it's what somebody else did that has an impact on your life. Sometimes we deal with the setbacks of the sins of others that are around us. It could be somebody else's indiscretion. It could be somebody else's decision. It could be somebody else's, uh, somebody else's lie that they said about you. It could be some words of slander or gossip that somebody else said about you. It could be a person who broke a promise. They promised, I'll be with you through thick and thin. You didn't even get halfway through thick, and they was gone. You know, right, they didn't even, they didn't even get to meet thin. Just say hello to thin. You didn't even get to see thin. And then so... Because someone else's broken promises, that can impact our lives. That's bad news. And then, not just the third one, and so it's my, my sin, other sins, but then we live in a fallen world. How do you know that? And so in a fallen world, there's things that happen. Sometimes it's just a mistake, but it impacts you. Sometimes we hear tragedies, but it impacts you. Nobody meant it to be a tragedy. We have accidents, but it impacts you. Because we live in a broken world where justice, our system for justice is broken. It may impact you. And so things happen in a broken world. And so the bad news is that sin can set us back. But the good news that I love about it this morning that makes it so much sweeter is that in Christ, sin doesn't have the final say. Let me say, see, you need to move on that. That's the good news, that no matter what somebody else has done to you, what you may have done to yourself or what this world may try to do to you, that in Christ Jesus, sin does not have the final say. 
Nehemiah shows us that because Israel had sinned and was exiled, but despite where they had been, God gave Israel a comeback. Watch this before the cross, before Christ, before the blood. How much more for those of us that are in Christ Jesus is God saying, look, I have removed your sins as far from you, as far as the east is from the west, and if I can do for Israel in the Old Testament, surely I can do for you in the New Testament, that your sins do not have final say. The sins of your mother, of your father, of your ancestors don't have final say, but the blood of Jesus Christ has final say in life. The cross of Christ proves that his sacrificial death and life has final say in your life, not your sin, not my sin. Because what the enemy wants to do is to convince you that you're not worthy for God to move in your life, that you don't have a future, that all you should have is shame and blame and condemnation. But in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 1 tells me that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The scripture tells me as far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you. And when you forget that scripture, remember how far his arms are spread open wide for you. Because he has removed it from you. I want to remind you something. Even after being saved you still have an advocate with the Father. Because I think we think that when I wasn't saved, when I repent, I'm okay. But if I'm saved and then I fall, I'm condemned. He gave a sufficient sacrifice for every one of your sins. Before Christ and after, after Christ. The Bible says that we should not sin. But if any man does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus In other words, you got an attorney that's, that's on your side advocating for you. In 1 John 1, 9, you know this. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us or cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Did you catch that? This is amazing to me. So if I, if I find myself in a sin or falling into sin, what he says is, you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay in that setback. You can get up, but what you need to do is confess it. Be honest with God. Like, God, I messed up. I blew it. You told me to go right, I went left. I blew it. You told me to forgive, I held. Whatever it is, to be honest with God and agree with God, that's what it means to confess there. It means to actually be, be in agreement and to say about it what God says about it. And so, God, because you said that that's wrong, that's wrong. And he says, when you do that, he says, when you do that one thing, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'll be faithful to you. I'll be just with you. I will forgive you, and I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Woo! Did you catch that? What kind of God do you serve? Oh, you serve a God that loves you so much. He don't just love you when you're right. He even loves you when you're wrong. Somebody shouts, sin doesn't have the final say. Oh, you need to shout it like you believe it. 
When you understand that beneath sin or attached to sin is everything that befalls you, from the fall of man, sin came sickness and disease. But guess what? Sin doesn't have the final say, which means disease don't have the final say. Lack doesn't have the final say. Poverty doesn't have the final say. Depression doesn't have the final say. Confusion doesn't have the final say. Abandonment doesn't have the final say. Divorce doesn't have the final say. Failure doesn't have the final say. Sin does not have the final say because of the blood. Of Christ. I'm going to invite the praise team to come on up. I want to just share a quick story and I'm done. John Newton didn't know God and didn't care to know God. He was a slave, English slave owner and trader a few centuries back. And one day he was traveling by boat off the coast of some island, and he knew it was over for him. He knew because of how bad the storm was that the boat would capsize. And he cried out to God in the midst of his trial, in the midst of his storm, and asked God, in that moment, God, forgive me, and please deliver me from this storm and let me live and those that are on this boat live. He lived, and he lived to get back to land and to get connected with a church and to a few years later, to release the slaves that he held. And not only did he release the slaves that he held, he became an abolitionist in England and lived long enough to see slavery abolished in England. And despite how he started, he's not remembered for being a slaveholder or a slave trader. And you may have never heard his name, but you know him, or at least you know his work. And his work simply said something like this, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Because you know what? His sin didn't have the final say, and neither does yours. So to not be forgiven, to not be received, to not have a hope, to not have a future, it actually qualifies you because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Look at your name and say, I'm qualified. Yeah. And so what I want to encourage you to do is to stay on the wall. Stay on the wall. He's still working in your life. You know what I found out? That even to please God, even the, the desire to be here this morning, the desire to pray, did you know that it's not yours that came from God? It says that it's him, God, working in us to will, giving us the desire to even want to do it, and then giving us the power to do it. So if he's still giving you the will, it's because he's still working in your life. Somebody just shout right there. In other words, he's not walked off the job. So if he's still on the job, I think I'm going to stay on the job with him because I figure you got a master plan. You know how to work this thing out around me and in me, and I believe the same thing for you. God's got a master plan for you. He knows how to work the things out around you and in you. Anybody believe that this morning? Amen. Keep those hands lifted. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. This morning we celebrate all you've done in Impact Church in the lives of families and the lives of children and young adults, God, and teenagers and, and boys and girls and men and women of every age and background. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're going to do. We are encouraged this morning to stay on the wall, to stay on the wall, that God's got some great things for us and that you're still working in our lives, that the blood still works.
and that you're still moving by your spirit in our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would touch hearts and minds that we might stay encouraged, that we might continue on further, that this is not an ending, Lord, but this has just been a launching into the work that you will continue to do in our lives in this next season throughout the remainder of this year, Father God. We thank you, Lord. Even as we enter into holy season, we go into holy season, Lord, with reverence, Lord, recognizing that it was the sacrificial blood of Jesus working on our behalf, that we've done no good thing to earn it, but the blood was poured out for us, and we receive everything, Lord God, that the blood has purchased for us. We thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do. We give your name honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.